The next time you're on Interstate 80, stop in and see the folks at the Iowa 80 Truck Stop at Exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. They're always open and ready to serve you. Enjoy a sit-down meal at the Iowa 80 Kitchen or grab a bite from one of their nine quick-serve restaurants. You'll love their clean restrooms, huge gift store, beautiful convenience store, and, of course, the Super Truck Showroom stocked with plenty of chrome, lights, and more. While you're there, don't forget to visit the Iowa 80 Trucking Museum next door. It's free. The entire team at the Iowa 80 is very excited to celebrate 60 years with you. They look forward to being your home away from home for another 60 years. Sending you a giant thank you from Iowa 80, the world's largest truck stop on I-80, exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. Iowa 80. It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley. If we happen to be yawning during the show, <laughs> At any point, we're just going over some of the stuff from the GOP debate. No, Gary, it was, it was entertaining. Yeah. It was. It was. Un- I. I. I thought it was entertaining. It's like, well, it was. Well, I'm sorry. It, no, it was under. It was entertaining, <laughs> like a Triple A minor league baseball game. I, I. You know, this is. It really you, was what you, Matt Gates tweeted. You. Can, oh, yeah. did he tweet that? He's, yeah, it was a minor league baseball game where he had a bunch of either has beens or new tryouts. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Actually, that was an. Uh, I I was on the the uh, the the narrative that there were some uh, exciting moments you could cheer, but really in a triple A game, nobody cares who wins. <laughs> I don't. It, well, I don't know that anybody. It, it seemed like none of the candidates were trying to win. <laughs> well, I want I want to play this because this uh, this is something that you uh, you said probably would happen. Yeah. The other day, and it did happen. Here we go. Governor Ron DeSantis. Next, entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy. Former Vice President Mike Pence. Former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley. Former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. That went south quickly. Uh, we were joking and, 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 the other night about okay, what we thought might happen, and and uh, it would. We thought that Chris Christie would go after Trump, and he'll be booed. And then I joked. I said, "No, I'm just kidding. He'll be booed as he's being introduced." <laughs> Uh, go back and listen to the podcast. I, I I don't remember which morning it was, but it was earlier this week. And and uh, the biggest boo he got was what I would relate to the firefighter moment that uh, that he did when he was New Jersey governor, mm-hmm. uh, and and that's where he was saying he goes, look, it doesn't matter whether what Trump did was legal or illegal, it was wrong. He started getting booed, and he said, look, <laughs> you can boo all you want, huh, but. It's the truth, and they booed louder. Yeah, 
But uh, <laughs> it, it was, uh, like I said, it was entertaining. I, I think that the uh, the out and outright winner, and I don't mean a winner that this means that they have a chance of being president. It's just the fact that because everybody attacked Ramaswamy, remember, most people do not live in the world that you or I live or even our listeners who are paying consistent attention to what's going on. If you're paying attention to what's going on, you know who Ramaswamy is. If you're turning it on and you really don't know what's going on, you're a Republican, you want to see what's going on, you watch that and you say, why are they all attacking this young guy? Who is this young guy? Mm-hmm. And that's the... You, you make it everybody curious, yep. Right. Everybody becomes curious. Right. Who is, you know, who is that guy? Um, and- Glenn Greenwald was uh, tweeted, you know, clearly everybody else's internal numbers show, internal polls show something is happening with Ramaswamy. And that's why they were doing it. I, I, I don't know that you need internals even, but maybe... I mean, I, I would love to see internals and, and what they're showing with Ramaswamy because he was the punching bag. There's no doubt. He was the target tonight. I remember when I, and, and I disagreed with this, but when I first became a, a uh, radio talk show host and I was new to the market and I would have bosses tell me, you need to attack your competition. Mm-hmm. because, you know, that's the guy that's been here the longest time, and you need to attack him every day. And I mm-hmm. went, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not Right. I'm not going to pay attention to what the competition's doing. I just want to make sure that what I do is so good where people, you know, will come over. But I'm not going to attack somebody. But the rule was you always attack the person who is, uh, who is on top. Mm-hmm. You know, the person who was the dominant, not just in a poll, you know, like we've seen where Ramaswamy has done better, but you attack the person that is far out. You know, I the day I started at that station, the audience was zero. Mm-hmm. And the competition who'd been there for 20 years, their ratings were, you know, <laughs> okay, I'll say Point five, because <laughs> mm. if it's, I was going to say if his his uh, audience was probably a thousand times greater, but a thousand times zero would be zero. So I'll put point five in there, mm. uh, and and so you always attack that. You don't attack. You don't attack down. Uh, and so when I saw that, I just i I questioned why the pounding on the person that nobody knows, except for the fact that. Well, you need to be aggressive at somebody, and so attack him. But I just thought I went, but you're giving him recognition. And unless, like you said, the polling numbers have shown that Ramaswamy just went to 30% before the debate. Yeah. I don't I don't well, necessarily understand the 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 strategy he's, doing he's so. the only one on the rise uh and but that doesn't say much i mean if you look at the rcp average you know it's still what it has been really the only one that you should be concerned about if you're on that stage tonight is donald trump and until something in a major way until a ramaswamy hits 30 <laughs> 
or something, then you don't you don't do that. You know, I uh, I thought the biggest news you and I were talking about during the pre-show meeting, at least the when when you when you look at Iowa because you're the one that brought it up when I when I talked about it. Mm-hmm. Wall Street Journal has an editorial where Trump has been saying that, and and I didn't hear this until I saw the editorial. That Trump is saying if he's president, 10% across the board tariff on everything that comes into the United States. Well, you just said goodbye and, to Iowa. Now, he's still leading in Iowa, but right. if, if he's if he's on that kick of, of, of tariffs again, then in return, we're going to have our trade partners issuing tariffs on farmers in Iowa, uh, pig farmers, corn farmers, every kind of farmer. And, and they, so all of farm territory and, is going to is going to backlash. And that. so and, and when I when I told that, the first thing you said was, well, he's. He's going to get killed in, not killed in Iowa, but mm. you're going to have farmers that remember the last time the tariffs were on. Because normally, Americans, and when they become populist, say, that's right, we need American jobs, so put tariffs on everything that comes into the country. Yeah. Which just skyrockets the price. And when you're in inflation and you're ty- trying to fight inflation, and next year we may still be trying to fight inflation, that to say that all goods will go up another immediate 10%. Like that, right? Right. <laughs> probably is 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 not something that you want to do. But that populism does sell to a certain segment of America and a certain segment of the Trump constituency. But it doesn't sell to the Iowa farmers after what they and farmers in general. Yeah. After what they went through, and they were just they were livid at that particular point. And so, he is concerned about farmers. We know this from ethanol. His position on ethanol. So yes. he's concerned about farmers. The question is, what will will that affect him in farm territory? Because everything is linked to farming in in the in that zone. Uh, even if you're not a, a farming uh, family, you're probably working directly or indirectly in some kind of service or something uh, that is that has some kind of connection to farming. You're it's just like oil. Uh, there is the 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 connection there, and and that's the going to be the problem is or i guess that's going to be the question you're going to want to watch the polls in the farm states after that comment to see if they're concerned about that because they have to be because he's he's already got a history of doing it of following through Mm -hmm. on tariffs now you can make the argument on china it was about intellectual property and it's a solid argument does it resonate with farmers? Does that go anywhere with farmers? Because at the, at the end of the day, I mean, it's not for the farmers. They were cutting off, you know, they, our trade partners were cutting off all kinds of trade uh, based on what we were trying to do. And the fact of the matter is you, you impose a 10% tariff on everything coming in. Expect that exports are going to drop dramatic you know you and i remember and this goes back to the obama administration that colombia wanted to yeah. redo their trade agreement with the united states mm-hmm. and the unions because the because at that that point uh the united you know this was colombia saying look we want to redo this but the unions didn't want it mm-hmm. but what was what was colombia trying to do well, back in the 80s, the United States, because of the drug industry, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this this was the thought. This is where people get economics wrong, mm. that, okay, let's allow Colombia 
We won't retaliate, but we'll let Colombia put a ton of tariffs on American products going into Colombia, and that way the Colombia economy will boom because American products, you know, won't be inundating Colombia. Mm. Well, the opposite happened. Yeah. And so Colombia came back and said, can we rewrite it and have a free trade agreement where where there are no tariffs coming into Colombia? Right. And and they when they when they uh, you know when they're talking about they're talking about the number of jobs that it would create in the United States and even union jobs but since they called it a free trade agreement the unions had to be against it even though it would benefit them right. i mean so right. i mean those are some of the things that you go through but i just thought that was interesting yesterday cuz that was when when i saw that and when you said iowa i went wow that's really interesting because that's what everybody is focused in on is yeah, Iowa. Right. You know, come Iowa and, and what's going to happen at that particular point. But I will say this. I want to play this audio cut here and, and we'll just then we'll just talk in, in general about some of the focus of Fox uh, and and last night, uh, uh, you know, and the questions that they asked. Mm. Here, here was one yesterday to Chris Christie. Here we go. Steve, do you believe that the recent spike in UFO encounters... <laughs> I get the UFO question. Yeah, you know. Come on, there man. No uh, it shows what what I, maybe maybe uh, look. It's just this is an opinion off just you know viewing it here. These are just initial impressions. But I thought I just I think that that you, when you are in the Beltway, you. And the media in the Beltway, even Fox, that you tend to be obsessed with the Beltway issues, yeah, which are like abortion or any of the other things. But there really wasn't as much of an emphasis on asking specific questions about economic growth, for example, about the border, about critical race theory and the liberal transgender activist movement. Uh, I, and, um, um, and, you know, and, and China, for example, throw mm. in China. Mm. I just was, I was disappointed. It's almost as if it's like, no matter who you get in the media, they're going to be focused on. And it's so dominated by the left that the questions, even the questions on climate change were framed, uh, I believe in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And um, even on abortion, when uh, Martha asked about abortion, it was, you know, uh, Republicans have been heard in in certain states. Yeah, but there's been a ton of governors that have gone the opposite way that have had success and got Mm reelected last year. Right. So you can sit there and just you can ask the question, but they framed it in a political way that it's naturally against. Uh, na- naturally against, uh, you know, what is going on. And I thought, you know, Nikki Haley made a, a, a point when she talked about the fact, because it's a point that we've talked about. Republicans are going to have to sit there and say, okay, how far does abortion go? Mm. You need to change this around. You need to take it, you know, wh- is it birth? Is it birth? No, it's not birth. Then what is it? What is it? What is it? Right. You need to, as we've done, tear apart their argument point by point by point. But uh, overall, like I said, uh, we tend to make and the media tends to make, I think, sometimes, you know, too much of of these uh, of, of these debates. 
Um, I think Ramaswamy may, you know, move up a couple of points just because people didn't know who he was and went, oh, that's the, oh, that's the young guy. Mm -hmm. I, I think that, I don't think, and I think one of the reasons is, and I think we agreed with this, we jumped all around in our pre-show meetings so mm-hmm. much, mm-hmm. but I think we agree on this, that the mindset of whether it was Pence or whatever, you know, back to him, or even, uh, you know, the uh, the uh, the AI comment from Christie to yeah. him, yeah. I just... I'm reading in the media, oh, those were great hits against Ramaswamy. And I'm Not thinking really. to myself, well, I don't, you have to put yourself as a Republican to sit there and say, uh, we are the establishment and you're new. Therefore, well, that's exactly we, we, what I said to you in the pre show meeting. Yeah. I don't know if at any point he, he said the word establishment, but if I were Ramaswamy, I would have said, what you see up here tonight is the establishment going after the new guy. And the last time they did that, it didn't work for them. Yeah. I I just, I, I went, who's doing their, who's doing their, their research on, you know, what, and I don't think you need a lot of research, though, on Republicans to figure that one out. Well, because that's not an argument that you should be using. He doesn't warrant the target yet, being the, you know, the, the target just yet. If the numbers were unbelievable, if he were skyrocketing and taking numbers from Trump, then that would be the case. But you go after him tonight, and what you do is you say, we don't want any non-insiders. That's what you're telling conservatives. That's what you're telling that if anyone in the Trump base was watching, I was just uh, looking at uh, Tucker Carlson's numbers, now over 105 million views on the Trump interview. But they're, they're, you know, you don't go after the guy, you don't go after anybody who's not a real threat just yet. But I guess it's what we brought up last night. You're going to have to convert the Trump base if you're going to become the nominee. You don't do that by coming out swinging at him at this moment. You're going to have to swing at him at some point. When he's not on the stage, you pretend like he's not there. Well, if not now, when? It's well. It's going to have to happen at some point, right? But I, it clearly, all of them, and you saw it. It was a tactic. In fact, there was only really one attack on him, and that was about Putin, and that came from Chris Christie, as we expected. Eight six six ninety red eye. Keep your engine humming in the heat this summer by keeping up with preventive maintenance. Think your PM is complete after your oil is changed? Think again. There's grease, transmission fluids, and gear oil to consider too. Grease, for example, is made of oil, thickener, and additives. It provides rust protection by preventing water spray-off and wash-off on equipment like the universal joint, fifth wheel, and clutch throw-out bearings. It also helps protect major greasing points like tie rod ends, spring pin bushings, king pin, and the chassis. Today's synthetic oils means more miles between engine oil changes, but greasing intervals aren't growing at the same pace. Your fifth wheel, for example, needs to be greased every 15,000 miles or monthly. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio.
It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. We'll have audio coming up of the uh, uh, GOP debate. And then also, uh, wow, yesterday in uh, Russia. You know, wow. uh, it, it was back and forth. I was watching a lot of the mainstream media and the coverage um, of uh, basically Putin's number one enemy gets on a plane and then minutes later it comes out of the sky. There's really no denying how this thing went down, um, but it seems like a lot of people don't want to talk about how it went down. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. The next time you're on Interstate 80, stop in and see the folks at the Iowa 80 Truck Stop at Exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. They're always open and ready to serve you. Enjoy a sit-down meal at the Iowa 80 Kitchen or grab a bite from one of their nine quick-serve restaurants. You'll love their clean restrooms, huge gift store, beautiful convenience store, and, of course, the Super Truck Showroom stocked with plenty of chrome, lights, and more. While you're there... Don't forget to visit the Iowa 80 Trucking Museum next door. It's free. The entire team at the Iowa 80 is very excited to celebrate 60 years with you. They look forward to being your home away from home for another 60 years. Sending you a giant thank you from Iowa 80, the world's largest truck stop on I-80, exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. Iowa 80. Consider yourself canceled if you don't listen nightly. Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley and I'm Gary McNamara. All right, let's uh, head to uh, some of the moments from the uh, debate uh, last night. And, of course, they uh, can't believe he said the elephant in the... Brent Ferris said the elephant. Let's talk about the elephant in the... In the living room, and I'm like, man, Christie's there. No. Uh, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> did I go for a cheap laugh? Well, no, everybody thought it, though. I mean, because everybody laughed when they said it, but here, here, here we go. We are going to take a brief moment and talk about the elephant not in the room. Or not in the room, yes. Yeah. Former President Trump has been indicted in four different states. On 91 counts, he will be processed tomorrow in Georgia at the Fulton County Jail for charges relating to the 2020 election loss. You all signed a pledge 
to support the eventual Republican nominee. If former President Trump is convicted in a court of law, would you still support him as your party's choice? Please raise your hand if you would. Just hold on. So just to be clear, Governor Christie, you were kind of late to the game there, but no, you raised I, your I, hand. No, I'm doing this. Look, look, I'm doing this. And I know this. you didn't. Whoa, whoa. No. Come, what's and the no, look, would, would, look, here's the here's the bottom line. Someone's got to stop normalizing this conduct. Okay. Now, and now, now by the way, I just want to stop that. Uh, were you surprised by the number of cheers? Uh, yes, I was, actually. Yeah. So was I Well, okay? because, you know, you look at, at the room, <laughs> and it would be, even with Trump not in the room, you look at the numbers, which means you're going to have roughly, uh, I don't know, depending on which poll, let's just say 40% of that room, on the average, not going for Trump. So... Yeah, I, you know, maybe by the numbers, I'm not surprised, but I didn't expect to hear it yes. in that way. It was it was very audible, and then the boos came in almost immediately afterward. But well, yeah, that's we, expected. Yeah, we're the boo, the boos are coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the boos the boos are going to dominate in a moment here. <laughs> Started from the beginning, as I said the other night. I can't believe it was like you know, I almost only halfway, truthfully, only halfway expected them to boo him when he was introduced but i thought actually thought about it yesterday and i thought no um i could see i could see some people booing him because he's just not a he's not a favorite in the party he just is okay let's continue now whether or not whether or not you believe that the criminal charges are right or wrong the conduct is beneath the office of president of the united states You know, this is the great thing about this country. Booing is allowed, but it doesn't change the truth. It doesn't change the truth. Mr. Ramaswamy, you raised your hand supporting. No. I'd like to hey. get in and respond. Let's just speak the truth, okay? President Trump, I believe, was the best president of the 21st century. It's a fact. And Chris Christie, Honest to God, your claim that Donald Trump is motivated by vengeance and grievance would be a lot more credible if your entire campaign were not based on vengeance and grievance against one man. And if people at home want to see a bunch of people blindly bashing Donald Trump without an iota of vision for this country, they could just change the channel to MSNBC right now. But I'm not running for president of MSNBC. I am running for president of the United States. We're skating on thin ice, and we cannot set a precedent where the party in power uses police force to indict its political opponents. It is wrong. We have to end the weaponization of justice in this country. 30 seconds, Governor DeSantis. No, no, I'm sorry. 30 seconds, Governor You make me laugh because you you sit here in an answer. You sit here in an answer right <laughs> you sit here and answer. Go ahead, Hold Governor on. Christie. Hold on, Governor Christie. Hold on. Well, so listen, 
The more time we spend doing this, the less time they can talk about issues you want to talk about. So let's just get through this. They don't care. Governor Christie. You you sit here talking about how you want to stand up for the rule of law. Yes. And law and order. And the fact is that it can't be selective. In your book, you had much different things to say about Donald Trump than you're saying here tonight. That's and, not true. Well, it is very true. That is not it's true. It's very true. I read it. Because and there's I a know, difference look, between I, bad no, behavior and illegal behavior, way, Chris. And you as a prosecutor way, should know yeah, better. Yeah, I, you know what? I know a lot there's better. There's a difference between I bad know, behavior. And I know a lot better than you do. You've never done it like you've never done anything to try to advance the interests of this government except to put yourself forward as a candidate tonight. And here's the thing. We've stood up for law and order. I did it as U.S. attorney. I did it as governor. And I am not going to bow to anyone when we have a president of the United States who disrespects the Constitution. He said... He said, he said, Martha, it's important to say that the president said, Donald Trump said, it's okay to suspend the Constitution. Now, the oath you take is to preserve, protect, and defend, not suspend. I will always stand up for our Constitution, regardless of the political pressure. Hey, Sean Hannity. All right, so... Here's what you just heard. Here's one thing that really sticks out to me. Maybe not the top thing, but one thing that sticks out to me in that audio cut alone. That Sean cut in at the end? (laughs) Sean just wanted to promote himself. (laughs) I think Sean made the best point. Um, (laughs) Boo! Boo! Uh, The energy. Ramaswamy sounded on point and Christie sounded winded. He sounded like he was struggling to talk and make points. Aesthetics matter. Now, I was going to say that that, uh, what I get out of, especially the debates when there's a number of people on there, if it's one-on-one, then you may look more at at substance. Not that style doesn't matter, but then again, when it comes to the one-on-one debates, remember uh, one of my first memories, barely remember it, uh, but my mother used to remind me of it all the time was uh, Nixon and Kennedy. Mm. And my mother asked me who I thought won the debate. And, you know, I was, what, five years old, four years old. And I told her Nixon. So so, so that that was the beginning of the accuracy of me predicting presidential elections. (laughs) By the way, uh, for young people, that's not uh, Cynthia Nixon and RFK Jr. (laughs) That's not the debate we're talking about. Oh, my God. Where's she been? I don't know. Since since she ran for what? Governor of New York, Governor of New York. She actually did okay. She made some solid points. She did. As a liberal, she she really did. If I can only remember any of them. Well, I think a lot of it was on on mass transit and and spending. And it it wasn't that the spending was wrong in and of itself. It was just about whether whether they were spending on the right things. But yeah, no, but the, no, but but optics really I look they do. I look at this and that's where I said Ramaswamy, not only because they were attacking him, but because he he he's animated, he's younger, mm-hmm. and he speaks with a with a uh, with a decisiveness yeah. and clarity clarity in the and conviction yep. and clarity in yep. the statements that he makes it may just be rhetoric at times but it comes off 
as very confident and therefore powerful. And Chris Christie sounded, again, winded, but he also sounded like he was on the ropes a lot. But here's the thing. He always does. It's not just on a debate. He always sounds defensive. And you can't do that. That's also the difference with Ramaswamy. There's a difference between decisive and defensive. And that's what you just heard. And when you're defensive, you sound like a guy who's got a poor track record and you know it. You know, it's like him getting in the face of that ballpark that one time of that person who shouted something at him. And he just like like he's a big tough guy with his hot dog in his hand. I just remember the beach. Photo. I would have said, I would have said, dude, is that for me? Otherwise, get out of my face. You know, I don't care who you are. You don't get to lean over and get my, I was, I was afraid he was going to just fall over. But the problem, those aesthetics matter. Yeah, they do. And yep. his tone, he talks about the tone, but he's defensive. His tone matters. I don't see him being the nominee. If he becomes the nominee oh, of the Chris GO- Christie? No. Yeah. If he no. ever becomes the nominee for president of the United States, we're more doomed than I ever thought we were. Yeah, I just wonder. I, I don't know what his fundraising has, has been like. I, I don't know, and I don't know what leftover war chest he might have well, from what I, whenever. You, I, I don't know if he, you, he has Did one. you find it interesting that initially he got a lot of cheers, and then it just... Of, and by the way, that's like, that's very, to me, that's very telling when you make a statement as he did that whether it's right or wrong, it's beneath the presidency and he actually yeah. got cheers. Well, yeah. But as he continued yeah. on, the boos got louder and louder well, and then there were no cheers. Well, so, so here's, here's what's interesting. Uh, not that this would happen. But could a liberal come out and say decorum matters and get the same amount of applause? Could somebody else have said that and anybody else have said that in that room and gotten that applause? And the answer is, I think so. Because you've got, again, 40% of that room that has decided they're not going to vote for Trump. I mean, that's where we are Mm -hmm. right now. And so I think you could have said, and it, look, I have a number of conservative friends that said, you know, uh, I voted for the guy. I voted for him in 2020, but decorum doesn't matter. And we have to get back to decorum. I, I have a number of it's It's only a handful and it's only anecdotal, but clearly that does resonate with a lot of people. Well, if it, and, well I don't know that it's right. enough. Well, when it comes to decorum, what I get from even Trump supporters is, not that they personally mind how he speaks. It's whether he's electable. Yes, and whether or not that is their number one concern about him. And it's not. It's not. 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. 
America starts the day with America in the morning. Pending home sales numbers, they tanked in April, but there are. Hi, I'm John Trout, your host for the latest news, politics, entertainment, business, and weather. Octane action in the dust, a new film puts. Our staff of correspondents provide a fast paced look at the world with specialized reports from where news happens. It's a bird, it's a plane, it's Amazon. Concise, accurate, and fresh each day. America in the morning, the podcast, available wherever you listen. Are you into weird, spooky, and strange history? Horrifying History tells you about the side of history that people don't normally talk about. We tell the tales of haunted places, infamous true crimes, unsolved mysteries, the paranormal, and then we look to history to see where the truth actually lies. Want to get spooky with us? Horrifying History, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. I thought this was one of Nikki Haley's strongest moments last night. Thank you, Governor Haley. So why are you better positioned to turn around this economy that we've heard all of these voters talking about tonight than Mr. Ramaswamy, who is a successful entrepreneur nationally right now, He's beating you in the polls. Well, I don't care about polls. What I care about the fact is that no one is telling the American people the truth. The truth is that Biden didn't do this to us. Our Republicans did this to us, too. When they passed that $2.2 trillion COVID stimulus bill, they left us with 90 million people on Medicaid, 42 million people on food stamps. No one has told you how to fix it. I'll tell you how to fix it. They need to stop the spending. They need to stop the borrowing. They need to eliminate the earmark that the Republicans brought back in, and they need to make sure they understand these are taxpayer dollars, it's not their dollars. And while they're all saying this, you have Ron DeSantis, you've got Tim Scott, you've got Mike Pence, they all voted to raise the debt, and Donald Trump added $8 trillion to our debt. And our kids are never going to forgive us for this. And so at the end of the day, you look at the 2024 budget, Republicans asked for $7.4 billion in earmarks. Democrats asked for $2.8 billion. So you tell me who are the big spenders. I think it's time for an accountant in the White House. Vice President Pence. Not one boo. No. No. She threw one of the worst things at Trump that you could throw mm-hmm. at a Republican saying Donald Trump raised the debt by $8 trillion. There wasn't one boo. Right. Well, and here's the thing. I thought there was going to, I when, when, when she was doing, go, where are the booze? Where was the, was no. the audience, the Trump support in that audience, were they prepared for that? She delivered something that you can't, it's a fact, you can't, you know, I mean, or maybe they were busy trying to fact check on their phones. <laughs> I don't know. But the thing is, is in the moment, you can't do that. You can go back and forth because they've had the back and forth on things like decorum. Or a number of other things that have been part of the national debate stage, uh, even before he was president, but certainly during his presidency and since. That's something right now you're looking at it and every conservative in that room is greatly concerned about the national debt and spending. And we have to get our stuff together on that or we will be off the rails soon. Maybe off the rails, but as we said, if... If the Republicans 
actually wish to cut, mm-hmm. can they win an election in the next decade? Right. With the American public. Right. Yeah, right. Can they win the general? Right. Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. And he is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Download our Red Eye Radio app today. Listen when and where uh, you uh, want. If you can't listen live mm. uh, overnight, I was just reading here. Mark Antonio Wright National Review: The Elephant Brawl in Milwaukee. It's like, yeah. <laughs> uh, what was the one funny thing? Uh, uh, DeSantis played the night safe with everyone else gunning. Ramaswamy, he seemed content to play the wallflower, except for uncorking bits of his stump speech a few times. His team will want to believe that his performance will stabilize his campaign, which over the summer had seemed at times uh, listless. (laughs) (laughs) He goes, ahem, listless. (laughs) DeSantis hopes that his well-funded ground game and the data operation in Iowa will drive him to victory. His strategy at the debate was to well, survive the debate. Winning will come later because he plans to outwork everyone else in Iowa's retail politics game. Well, he'd better hope he's right because the clock is ticking and DeSantis won't get an infinite number of opportunities to make his case to the wider public. When you combine his botched Twitter spaces campaign launch launch with Elon Musk and his B-minus debate performance, mm. he hasn't knocked any opportunity out of the park to uh, date. Ramaswamy is going to have a boomlet almost entirely on the logic of no publicity uh, is bad publicity, but Ramaswamy is an unserious novelty candidate for a country facing serious problems. Mm. He looked painfully young. His over-the-top energy and glib answer for everything vibe might play okay on a warm night in August. I'm skeptical that It will age very well as nights grow cold and the Iowa caucus starts feeling real. But don't be surprised if a few national polls over the next week or so uh, pick him up uh, in the mid-teens, edging out uh, Ron DeSantis. Tim Scott brought his stump speech to a WWE match. Hmm. He's winsome. He always is. He did nothing, however, to distinguish himself from the other candidates, and it was clear he's better giving a speech to a friendly audience than in a political combat of the debate stage. You know, seriously, I mean, I, it, when, um, when uh, uh, you know, Tim Scott first announced and, you know, when he talked about, uh, you know, the opportunities that America had, it was very Reagan-esque. You know, you and I talked about yeah. it when he yeah. came out and said, okay, now, can he go to actual battle? 
can actually fight it. And uh, he he really didn't last night. He was just he was there, but didn't distinguish himself at uh, at uh, all. Uh, it said Mike Pence. Then they have Mike Pence uh, had a serious substantive exchange on foreign policy. His role as vice president after the 2020 elections, abortion policy and immigration and border security. Pence had a, Pence had a strong debate, arguably the strongest of any of the candidates. He presented himself with dignity. He landed big punches on Ramaswamy through the course. Uh, it speaks to Pence's standing relative to Ramaswamy that the biotech entrepreneur attracted so much attention from the former vice president. Regardless, the problem for all these candidates remains the fundamental one. How do you convince the average center-right primary voter that you're a better choice to lead the Republican Party into the future? How do you distinguish yourself from the also-rans? How do you displace Trump without taking him on directly? Only 45 men have ever been president of the United States. It's an office that doesn't fall into your lap. If you want to be president, you can't be a wallflower. You've got to go take it. Yeah, uh, you know, I can see the point about Ramaswamy and whether or not as debates go on and the campaigns go on, um, that's going to age well. Um, The energetic approach, by comparison to some, uh, may seem, uh, okay, that's a little, you know, tone it down, slow it down a little bit. I don't know how that's going to play out, though, in the polls. I, I can't predict that. I can see the point that they're trying to make. That ultimately you're going to have to be, you know, it's it's going to have to be, but because he does talk very fast. But when you see him in interviews, you know, it's the same energy and and I think conviction. And the question is, all right, how do you bring that down on a debate stage? They were all at one point or at any given point Throughout the night, maybe with the exception of Pence, they were there. All of their energy was kind of a little over the top. Um, so I don't know. I don't know where yeah, I didn't Ramaswamy. Think, I, didn't, I didn't think. I, DeSant- I didn't think DeSantis was. I- well, he didn't. He didn't do yeah. much. But I mean, yeah, I, I would say you're right on that. Um, and and Vice President Pence didn't really have that. And you know, but if you look at the moments on that stage. What makes an impact? You know, what truly makes an impact? Um, I think a couple of cuts that we have played have an impact, but the question would be then to what extent and how much of it is just preaching to the choir. Uh, The Ramaswamy comments on, you know, basically weaponizing the Justice Department and and, and law enforcement. Um, The... Uh, comment by uh, Nikki Haley and, and uh, you know, what's going on with the national debt and spending. Those are two big comments that hit home. But, again, is it the equivalent of gay- saying, hello, Cleveland, you're the best audience we've ever had. Mm-hmm. And if it's, you know, if it is, then it doesn't really grow the base much. It doesn't really motivate the base much. It just shows you that the base is already motivated in those areas. Where the energy goes from there remains to be seen. Yeah, I, w- I was uh, telling you that uh, in one of the still photos, you know, you've got Ramaswamy had his 
you know, like his fist up in the air and his <laughs> mouth was open. And I said, wow, he looks like Beavis. <laughs> you know, he, I mean, he, I mean, he just did for that moment. But Ramaswamy. But but that uh, and and again, this is coming from an older guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't view him because Mark Antonio Wright said he looked painfully young. Oh, I didn't think painfully. Uh, is it what I'm um, just trying to see of what he exactly how he? Yeah, he looked painfully young. Yeah, I, you know, I I disagree with that. I mean, I uh, look. I th- one of the problems that the because you know one of the things that you know they're they're saying Nikki Haley and the others you know hit him on Ukraine uh, good. You and I have talked about this a lot. I mean, because you've got one side of it saying we can't get involved in Ukraine at all. Mm-hmm. Well, you have to fight. You have to fight back against Putin. Mm-hmm. How you do it is extremely important. Yeah, you know how you frame it to the American people, but you have to challenge China, and you have to challenge Russia. Yeah, you have to because it's a. It's pretty reminiscent uh, of still the the Cold War. And if you've seen the evolution of Russia, you know, basically Russia's back to being a dictatorship. In fact, it's not even a communist nation as much as it is a dictatorship. It's more than the old one-party system that used to be there. It's become more, and, and, uh, you know, after what we've seen, you know, yesterday, that, you know, and whether he took out his chief rival enemy and we'll get into that a little bit later on Mm -hmm. uh but uh i think it's a prime example of where of of what the table is and who the players are now when you look at as we've said the problem with this administration is they lie about everything so you can't trust them and we are it, it obviously and i'm not the only one to say this and you aren't the only one to say this with this administration they're spending tons of money, but it's almost a clear narrative that the United States wants to do everything we possibly can to extend the war, not give Ukraine the ability to actually win the war. Right. And so it is very reminiscent of Vietnam. We're involved in something where we really don't want to provide Ukraine the ability to win the war and get it over with mm-hmm. by, you know, by doing so much damage to the, uh, almost said the Soviets, uh, mm-hmm. uh, to Russia that what you end up doing is extending a war year after year after year after year after year, which the American public has no stomach for whatsoever. But it also gets to the point where you wonder... It, you also get to the point of the Republicans, and I'm not sure where Ramaswamy totally is uh, on this, but we need to be out of Ukraine completely and totally. Now, that's not that's not necessarily true. Uh, what what we should do? Well, <laughs> as I've said before, I don't know because I don't know what the CIA knows. Yeah. As we've said before, I don't know what the CIA knows. I don't know what our intelligence agencies know about, for example, uh, if if the CIA, and I could trust the CIA, but these days you can't trust damn anybody in the intelligence agencies or law enforcement 
in the United States because they haven't earned your trust. And you look at the you look at uh, this administration, the lies of Afghanistan. You can't trust this administration in anything. So you can get away with saying we need to get out of every foreign thing, bring our troops back and just protect our border. It doesn't work that way. The Cold War shows it doesn't work that way. And that may be some of Ramaswamy not understanding or living through the Cold War. Well, where, the, where the United States was always involved uh, in, uh, if not outright war, uh, supporting those that were fighting the, and, yeah, the, the, and, the and, old Soviet Union and, yeah. and covert also on a consistent basis. I, I think uh, if the game was we're going to wait for the internal implosion, and we've said from the beginning in Russia that if it's going to happen, it's likely going to happen internally. A lot of that hope went away in a plane crash yesterday. Because if you talk about somebody yeah. who had the means to get something done, it was Prigozhin. I don't know of anybody that rises to that that is not part of another government outside of Russia. So, but but would he have been any? He, he, I don't believe he would have been any better well, in, that, in a coup. Well, no, but that was your only hope. Right. It's it's. But how do you make how do you make something like that happen? Well, now all questions about that have been taken off the table because right. there's clearly not that's clearly not going to happen. And now it's about do they just wait for? I don't know because well, I I don't know where uh, a Putin wears himself out and utilizes all his resources. He's not being cut off. In fact, he has plenty. Plenty of allies that will make sure he's not cut off from supplies. And that's where we are. When, I mean, so, When you see just a month ago, the consensus was the Ukrainians were making huge inroads. Mm-hmm. A month later, the Ukrainians aren't making inroads. Right. Russia is, is winning again. Mm-hmm. And you get back to, okay, the United States now needs to do a lot more. But we're not going to do a lot more to allow Ukraine to win just to you know just enough to uh you know keep this the the russians at bay which means year after year yeah. after year right. and sorry but people think vietnam and so the republicans as opposition can say this is all just this is all just crap and it's amazing that that's the policy of this administration it yeah. seems like in right. ukraine mm-hmm. just to do enough to keep the war continuing yet they pulled out of afghanistan right well, that's the first and thing not, that, that none that, of it makes sense. That's one of the first things I thought of yesterday when the plane crash happened. I thought, look, uh, and 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 Biden gave his comment. I've been working out for an hour and a half. I don't know a lot of everything and blah, 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 blah. And it didn't surprise him, basically, is what he was saying. Well, where do you go next? You're calling out Putin publicly if not directly, but you're calling them out publicly, really. So what are you going to do about it? Well, the answer with this president is nothing. After Afghanistan, he's not competent as commander-in-chief. We all know that. So I don't know what happens between now and January of 2025, but it won't be this president leading it. 866-90-RED-EYE. 
Independence with carrier authority should be mindful that negotiation strength varies as the week progresses. Typically, the highest rates across major segments are paid for loads negotiated on Sundays, and the highest volume of loads for all segments is seen on Mondays, also the weekday that tends to be the best for flatbed negotiations, yielding the best rates. Owner-operators tend to have less negotiation strength on Tuesday, which shows the lowest weekday spread between brokers' offered rates and actual paid rates. Broker offers tend to rise by Wednesday as the end of the week is in sight. This day also seems optimal for the 3 o'clock hustle, so-called for its reliance on that afternoon time of day, when brokers are getting nervous, to improve negotiation strength. Stay mindful of this system to maximize your revenue. Owner-Operator Business 101 is provided by Shell Rotella with advanced synthetic technology. For more information, go to OverdriveOnline.com to the Overdrive's Partners in Business section of the website for more detail on Business 101 and many other topics. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Uh, let's go to, uh, this is a, a question on the southern border, to Ron DeSantis. So, as president, would you support sending U.S. special forces over the border into Mexico to take out fentanyl labs, to take out drug cartel operations? Would you support that kind of American military use? Yes, and I will do it on day one. Here's the thing. The cartels are killing tens of thousands of our fellow citizens. You want to talk about a country in decline? You have the cartels controlling a lot of part of your southern border. We have to reestablish the rule of law, and we have to defend our people. The president of the United States has got to use all available powers as commander-in-chief to protect our country and to protect the people. So when they're coming across, yes, we're going to use lethal force. Yes, we reserve the right to operate. How many more tens of thousands are we going to let to die? I am sick. I've met angel moms throughout this country. I met a lady in, in Texas named Tracy, and her son took one Percocet, that was laced with fentanyl, immediately died. That is happening all across this country because of the poison that they are bringing in. So as president, would I use force? Would I treat them as foreign terrorist organizations? You're darn right I would. Not much to argue with there. The only thing I would have stated was, I think every time that the border is brought up in any debate, Mm -hmm. that every Republican should not just talk about how they would solve the problem, Mm -hmm. but explain to the American people how the Biden administration has caused the problem. That's why they can't solve it. Yep. That, and, and I think that, that, and it's something that you and I've stated before as an overall thing that the Republican party should be selling. And that is, as we've talked about every major problem we face domestically Every single major problem that we face domestically is because of the people that we have put into political office. Mm -hmm. This isn't because of outside things that the people that you have put in to solve the problems have created the problems. And so they have no incentive to solve them 
because the conclusion that we see, which is chaos, is what they want. You're listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Hardy, and I'm Gary McNamara. So uh, overall, you and I were just having the discussion. This uh, debate really doesn't change anything because the big picture is Trump is up in some cases by, you know, 40-plus points. Yeah. And, you, you know, you're talking about, okay, Ramaswamy moves up three points this week. Does, doesn't mean anything. Right now, uh, if, the, if uh, that happened, if yeah. That, right now, the RCP average on the spread is Trump plus forty-one point yeah. one. Right, and that's the RCP average, which goes all the way back to uh, mid-August, uh, August tenth, right. I think, earliest. And the reality is, you know, and 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 I do agree with uh, the National Review article that said, look, uh, uh, when you look at uh, DeSantis, he's saying the ground game in Iowa is what is going to that's what he's putting his hopes on. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, that's where you win. Don't publicly criticize him winning the ground game because will Trump be able to get the donors as this continues? Will he be able to get the donors that he needs? And with the reports that so much of his campaign money is going for his legal fees. Mm-hmm. And you and I were asking the question, what in the world might his legal fees be because he's fighting this you know, he's fighting four different prosecutions. Yeah. yeah. I mean, how many lawyers are involved in this? Yeah. How many, you know, tens of millions, possibly hundreds of millions will this eventually uh, uh, cost? And if he doesn't have a campaign, can you come close or can somebody win? And remember, it's still September, October, November, December. We're five months away still. That's a long time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to, to, you know, to see, but when you see that nobody was really willing to take on Trump until, you know, the question was asked about, you know, the, uh, the, the, the pledge and whether everybody had their pledge pins on. Okay. Added that. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and, and so, uh, what I thought was interesting when they said, you know, if he is convicted, will you support him? Mm-hmm. And then you could see DeSantis was looking around. Mm-hmm. Christie's looking around. It's like, and then uh, basically said, no, is a Hutchinson the only one that didn't raise his hand, uh, you know, uh, on it. Now, is that the loophole for the RNC? I'll support whoever the candidate is unless you're convicted of a felony. Uh, yeah, I mean, right. like, outside of convicted felons, um, you know there and and there is the um, there's really where we are the landscape for the GOP right now. I just don't know what changes because you're you're not just talking about and you you apply conventional wisdom based on election seasons of the past. I can't remember a candidate that had a base that was so steadfast 
as his is in modern times, especially for the GOP. And so I don't know. It could change. I just don't know what brings about that change Mm -hmm. that brings him out of that number one spot, which means he's the nominee. But did did Nikki Haley provide the path to attack Trump? Yeah. Because if you hit Trump, if you if you forget about. If you just say, look, let's hit him on the issues. Mm -hmm. Don't hit him on January 6th. Don't hit him. None of that stuff. Don't bring up any of the the uh, uh, the trials that are coming up. None of that. Everything you hit Trump on is an issue because you and I both surprised Nikki Haley didn't get booed at all mm-hmm. when she said Donald Trump increased the debt eight trillion dollars. There were no boos, mm-hmm. none. Mm-hmm. You know, you and I have talked about the fact that um, that the original because when uh, when uh, uh, DeSantis will say he didn't get rid of the swamp, well, the swamp's definition changed completely. Over a period of years, the swamp yeah. used to be the Republican leadership. Now the swamp is viewed as basically deep state. Well, I think, and I I saw some comments the other day that fold establishment, a GOP establishment, back into it. Saying oh, really? They, they, oh, okay. they allowed okay. this. They were okay. they were part of the blah 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 right. blah. And and so the question would be, and it's only anecdotal, but the question would be. To what extent does that we we know what the attempt was for DeSantis, you know, going after DeSantis, uh, which happened fairly early on. You know, he's establishment. Um, he's not tall, <laughs> which was weird. But I mean, these were the things thrown at him. But the establishment thing was thrown at him. Oh, the establishment loves Ron DeSantis. Did it work? Because. Tell me on the issues, any of the things that separate, and you said this, that separate DeSantis and Trump. It really is all about imagery right now, and it is all about a base for Trump that has not flinched. In fact, Mm -hmm. if you look at the lead uh, throughout, really throughout the month of August, um, you know, he's actually gained points. And this is something, and it's only a, a few points, but it still is a gain. And those are the things you look at and say, okay, if any of those people on the stage tonight is going to be the nominee, how do you convert his base? I can't answer that question because I don't know a path to that. I don't, I don't you know. know my- how that happens if if you if i if i was running for political office and i was looking to trump and and i'll tell you these are the actual things that i've disagreed with with uh you know with trump on Mm -hmm. or things that you could make an argument for that i might even say like i've said the fauci thing you know early on because remember trump you know he was you know every you know you know covid from really from april on uh you know april till the end of the year it was about, you know, the vaccine and stuff like that. I would hit, if I'm running for office, I would hit him on the vaccine. I'd hit him on Fauci, mm-hmm. even though I believe it is an unfair argument because you have to go back to what you knew at that time. I would still use that. Why didn't anybody use that last mm-hmm. night? 
That's a good question. Uh, you know, because especially with recent days, people talking about more mask mandates. Yep. And the left and leftist media that's coming back again. The is it right. time to put a mask on again? No, it isn't. But you know, to your point, it it's like okay, that should be top of mind because I know people see the headlines, and in that room, one of the things that has been a a huge concern has been Fauci's invo- involvement in all of it. And certainly I think you could have gotten a reaction there and made a solid point, but I didn't see that happen. You know, you saw Nikki Haley say Trump put us $8 trillion into debt. Nobody booed. Right. So it shows the American public knows that Republicans, including Trump, spend money. You and I talked about how, because remember, because you brought up the swamp initially, Mm -hmm. the swamp initially was the fact that Donald Trump, or excuse me, not Donald Trump, was the swamp came uh, because uh, uh, John Boehner, you know, left being speaker. We don't like Messi. Right. Paul Ryan came in mm-hmm. and didn't renegotiate the deal that Boehner had made with the Democrats on right. spending. Right. And so at that point, the swamp was actually uh, about Republicans spending too much money. Yeah. And that really, because that swamp and that really, I believe, was one of the things that catapulted Trump. Well, talk six months later, by the time we got to uh, you know, the, the, the spring and the primary debates are going on and Trump's talking about paying pennies on a dollar for the debt. I mean, things that are actually insane economically that you mm-hmm. can't do, mm-hmm. they wouldn't be able to do it anyway. Right. But he was talking about that. And then he was talking about the fact since interest rates were low, we should borrow trillions more of dollars for infrastructure. Mm-hmm. He sounded as Democrat on infrastructure as any Democrat on infrastructure, mm-hmm. including Biden. Mm-hmm. And and it was like and the the his base went along with them, yeah. But right. those are criticisms. Are those are criticisms that if I'm going to go after Trump, I'm going to go after that. That I'm going to go after Trump on his support of Lordstown and EV cars mm-hmm. on climate change mm-hmm. and say Trump was promoting electric vehicles. Oh, these are the right electric vehicles. No. Electric vehicles are not the solution to anything, and it plays right into the Democrat hands. Tell me the debate point against that, if I'm using that, against Trump. Ethanol. He wishes to subsidize. Nobody's asking for ethanol. Mm -hmm. He's willing to subsidize. Al Gore. I would bring this up. Al Mm -hmm. Gore admitted he lied about ethanol. It doesn't, by the Democrat standard of climate change, help anything, yet Trump still wants to subsidize a product that nobody wants. What's right. the difference between subsidizing electric vehicles that we're all against and subsidizing uh, uh, ethanol? My point is, eventually, you have to, if you want to have a chance of winning, attack. Mm-hmm. Why, why aren't any of them really on the issues you take? January 6th out of it. You take the weaponization of government out of it. You take all that out of it. All that They're all legit issues, but if you're going to attack Trump, that's not how you do it. You do it specifically on where he isn't a conservative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. And then you go back and you look and you say, remember, you know, some of it may be unfair in politics. <laughs> it's all dirty. <laughs> but yeah, you go back right. and say, remember. He was once loved by all the Democrats. There mm-hmm. was a reason. Liberals yeah. love Trump. Right. There's a reason that they did. Mm-hmm. And and so uh and I would even bring in 
the things that uh, I would even bring in. If you're going to win, I'd bring in how uh, he uh, followed uh, his uh, daughter on a lot of things that were viewed as many liberals when he was president. Sure. Um, I, if I were going to play that card, it would be, and you basically have to play all your cards. You also have to play, all right, if he is elected and becomes president again, what does he do in a second term? Because he's talked about things like socialized medicine before. Yeah. He's talked about yes, he those does. things in the past and yeah. said we have to revisit them. Well, that sounds a lot like Obama. And if he's not worried about another election and certainly not concerned about the GOP and how things may you know, go in that direction on Capitol Hill, then is he concerned about you know, his poll numbers or whatever else? And what might he do in a second term? There's one approach. But ultimately, you have to, I believe you have to introduce things, or I think you should introduce things. Maybe you don't have to do it. It may not work, but you should introduce things that are new, not known items about him. Or or I don't, I, I should say this. I don't know how much the known items about him are going to erode away at that base. Well, or if you use them, do you use them when you go door to door? Yeah, the ground game. Do you use yeah, that? Do you right, use that yeah. in your your ground you, game? Yeah, you might, and and not in not in debates, right? At, unless you were up against him, right? But he's not part of the debates, right? And we also wondered that if you attack Trump viciously on all of the issues because this is the other side to look at uh, at a debate where he wasn't there Mm. does that simply make his base stronger because you're attacking him when he can't respond Mm. even though he voluntarily made the decision not to go nonetheless he's still not there to respond right exactly Yeah. yeah so but i just wonder why none of them because you have like i said nikki haley showed you can say things that has to tick off Trump supporters when she said Donald Trump put us $8 trillion in debt. And when she was done with that statement, everybody cheered. I didn't hear one boo. Yeah, I didn't hear that. Yeah, so. 866-90-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Coming up on the top of the hour, did Putin take out his main rival, hmm. Prigozhin, yesterday? Uh, we'll get uh, to uh, uh, that more on the debate, more audio uh, uh, coming up. And uh, anything going on with Hunter Biden yesterday? It didn't seem like a lot on that. No, I was waiting for them to announce that he's the new special counsel to investigate the special counsel. And here's one for you. <laughs> The American Medical Association publishes an article exploring taxpayer-subsidized uterus transplants for biological men. Yeah, we have the money for that, don't we? I guess. Why not? <laughs> if we don't care about spending, why would we draw the, the line there, right? Ah, of course we can do that. Yeah. 
Um, my vote is no. <laughs> no. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, 86690 Red Eye. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. How you doing? You doing good? That's good. I'm doing good. Happy Thursday, everybody. So, uh, Prigozhin, uh, head of the uh, Wagner uh, group in uh, in Russia was it an attempted coup a couple of months ago? Uh, I'd say yes. Yeah, uh, his goal was to get rid of defense leaders. I don't know how you do that without getting rid of uh, of Putin. But um, he died uh, in a uh, airplane crash yesterday that everybody around the world is suspicious of that uh, most believe that it probably was an assassination. One of the reasons is if you look at it, if you look, if you've seen the video of the plane, it's coming straight down. Yeah. It's out of control. You look at it and either probably at least three possibilities, either it went into a stall. It was, shot down by a missile or blown up. Yeah, uh I don't know about the stall thing because it appeared to be that that some parts of the plane were missing. Um, you know, so I don't know Well, it can be ripped stuff can be ripped off a plane. Yeah, I, like that. I yeah. I guess, but all I'm, accounts on the ground and witnesses are saying there was they believe it was an explosion or a missile. Yeah, I, I just um, – and by the way, I, I doubt the stall because it wasn't landing. I think of, you know, I'll, one of the things I love watching is, uh, you know, all the, you know, why planes crash. Mm-hmm. And you see the majority of airplane crashes. There is – it's not just a vertical drop. You know, you see – you see a uh, horizontal movement. You know, it may be coming, but it's coming like this, mm-hmm. you know, down into the ground. Whatever, very rarely do you see uh, a stall. You did with the Colgan uh, air crash, 3407, uh, which crashed. I talk about that restaurant that I always go to with my dad, Marty's, right around the corner is where that plane crashed, killing 50 people, one in the house, 49 on the plane. That was a stall. That came straight down. Uh, we pass by it every time we go to eat. The the air crash site, there's a memorial. 
right there. When you when you're there, when you when you drive down the road and look at it, you can't believe that houses on both sides are still standing because it landed right on the house. Now, I don't know how br- a big this business jet was, but they called it a business jet. Yeah, and the the Colgan Air. Nobody has any idea why. Nobody will ever be able to figure out why the the, the pilot pulled up and instead of putting the nose down, pulled the nose up. All you do is put the nose down and increase, and they wouldn't have stalled. And I know exactly where they stalled, and they were about at 2,300 feet when they were landing. Now, I guess it's possible to go into a stall if your rate of ascent is at an angle that can't support the plane flying. But that's a rarity. This plane seemed to be at a much greater altitude where a stall caused by not you know enough airspeed was probably not the case. So what yeah. what caused it? An explosion. And you could see as it was coming down. You could also see that there was smoke coming from it. Well, there were two trails. Trails, yes. And they were separate trails. So one of those trails is older than the other one. And there is the the question is, and there, the footage doesn't show which of those trails appeared first. But one of those trails looks like a missile trail. So if it's an explosion, it's two things. It's a missile or it's a bomb on the plane. Mm-hmm. Prigozhin was on the plane. Everybody was quite frankly surprised when he kind of settled things with Putin and then came out, oh, no, 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 everything's fine. That's almost out of a Hollywood movie. That he gets to walk away from something like that and everybody was just waiting for something to happen to him. And yesterday it did. And it's going to be hard to convince the world otherwise. Well, if it was a missile, our intelligence agencies know it. Our intelligence agency likely knows right now and and probably knew within a few hours what happened. They know what brought the plane down. And so from there, the question is, what do you do with that intel? If it were Putin who had, who had died, uh, things would be much, much different. But Putin now is, it, it, by most accounts, and what the world believes happened, is clearly flexing. If you want an uprising, you'll be taken out. If you're a part of that, you'll be taken out. That's who he's always been. So I don't know where I don't know where it goes from here because, you know, for Russia to say, well, there will be an investigation. I'm sure there will be. I bet you the NTSB is not a part of it. It will not be a part of it. And that's where you are. This thing is over. 
Well, what what you do have is if if uh, this was an assassination, which again you never know with airplanes, you just that you don't know, but it is just so incredibly suspicious, and the odds that that particular person would be on that plane and die. Uh, yeah, makes yeah. makes people wonder. It's not you'd be hard to convince me that right. this was not an assassination. So what what you have here is a message sent out to anybody else who may be thinking about some type of coup or semi coup, semi coup, <laughs> because that's the whole Prigozhin thing was sort of we just we just want the military leaders gone. Not Putin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can't say that that would have been the case because, uh, as we know, they pulled back. But I highly doubt that if you're you're sending troops to the capital to get rid of all the defense officials that aren't running the war properly, that. Once you get there and you get them out, that you allow Putin to stay in. Mm-hmm. I I never I never saw that happen. Well, and then you couple it, you know, with the video Prigozhin put out uh, posted the other day, and you know, which basically said that his mercenary group, uh, the Wagner group, was going to make Russia greater and Africa freer. Well, what's to be read into that? Well, as the head and uh, and and sole financial arm of the Wagner Group, there's only you know the, there are many things you could take from it. But if you're Vladimir Putin, you can only see that as uh, is that some kind of message? Let me show you message. Because the Wagner Group's not going to be acting anywhere within Russia on anything going forward. And that is what Putin had to do to establish or reestablish his perceived leadership. Because that's been in question from day one. Is something going on with his health? Does he have the resources? Well, thanks to China, he's going to have resources. Thanks to plenty of communists around the world he's going to have resources i don't know what's going on with his health but he wanted to set the record straight i'm convinced on something and that is there's not going to be an internal uprising anytime soon i don't know where you go from here i mean and i don't and, know and the what, the, that, what the future looks right. like and what the world wants to do about this on the ground in Ukraine. And and I, you know, initially when it happened, you thought, okay, he's exi- or exiled to Belarus. And, yeah, and, right. And here he is, you know, again, flying around. Right. He's on and, his way and, to St. Petersburg. It's, you right, know. Right. Uh, and and so uh, uh, he's flying around. He's in Russia. He's doing, and I'm, there's no way that Putin didn't take that as a threat that, look, if I wish to do this again, I can do it. If he was exiled to Belarus and 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 uh, and limited in what he could do in his travel and all that, you might have a little bit more confidence if you were Putin. But the fact that he seemed to be back just doing the normal things he did 
as a, you know, as the head of the Wagner group and normal Russian or whatever mm-hmm. and could travel freely, uh, you, you, Putin had a look at that as, all right, this guy, he did it once. Now he thinks things will go back to normal. No way. No. No. Because if you try to take out my defense leadership, you're trying to take me out. You're you're reaching for me. Right. And you don't get to do that. That's exactly the mindset of a Vladimir Putin always has been. The world has no questions about Vladimir Putin. And if you had any yesterday, probably answered them. Will be interesting to see what the official cause is when it comes out. That's what I was saying. They say there's going to be an investigation. And, and, blah blah blah. Undetermined. Well, blah blah blah. Let's put it this way: within twenty, if if the NTSB was there, let's say hypothetically they were there, uh, they would have an idea probably in the first few minutes that they were there. They know the signs to look in, for intel, a bomb or a missile. Intel knows, yeah, because there, if one thing that we're doing right now. One thing that I believe is very clear right now that we're doing in this whole Russia-Ukraine thing, we're monitoring the airwaves. Or we're not the airwaves, the air. We're monitoring Mm -hmm. anything that's in the air. Except balloons. No, you're talking the United States. We don't need to monitor the United States because Swalwell's girlfriend has that down. We just go to China. (laughs) Yeah. Different communist. <laughs> Eight six six ninety red eye. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carly, and I'm Gary McNamara. You want to you want to get to uh, do this uh, uh, liberal, wacko, transgender activist movement update? All right. What do you got? An Ontario, Canada court has ruled against Jordan Peterson upholding a regulatory body's order that he undergo social media training or potentially lose his license to practice. In a decision released Wednesday, three Ontario Division Court judges unanimously sided with the College of Psychologists of Ontario in a case stemming from some of Peterson's language and online statements. One judge wrote that the college's order that Peterson undergo a program on professionalism in public statements balanced its mandate to regulate the profession is not disciplinary and does not prevent Dr. Peterson from expressing himself on controversial topics. Peterson has said his statements were not made in his capacity as a clinical psychologist, but instead were off-duty opinions, an argument the court rejected. This is the punishment of free speech here now, Mm -hmm. as you see in Canada. Dr. Peterson sees himself as uh, himself functioning as a clinical psychologist in the broad public space where he claims to be helping millions of people. Peterson cannot have it both ways. He cannot speak as a member of a regulated profession without taking responsibility for the risk of harm that flows from him speaking 
in that trusted capacity. Wow. Hmm. Specific complaints listed in the case before the divisional court include posts directed at Canadian politicians, a plus-size Sports Illustrated model, and transgender actor Elliot Page. Last November, the college's complaints committee found Peterson may have been engaging in degrading, demeaning, and unprofessional comments relating to uh, to an appearance on the Joe Rogan podcast where he identified himself as a clinical psychologist and appeared to demean a former client. The college's ethics codes requires members to use respectful language and not engage in unjust discrimination. The comment, the complaints committee concluded that some of Peterson's comments posed moderate risks of harm to the public, including undermining public trust in the profession of uh, psychology, as well as the college's ability to regulate the profession. It then ordered the social media coaching program at Peterson's expense, emphasizing the failure to comply would result in the allegation of professional misconduct. By the way, he said he's not going to do that. He said it a long time ago. Yeah, he, he right, right. Uh, Peterson filed for judicial review, arguing his political commentary is not under the college's purview and that the college failed to balance its mandate with his right of freedom of expression. Hmm. Wow. So there you go. Well, you know, it's only a matter of time before that happens here in the States. I was actually thinking about this the other day, um, and I forget what I was reading, but I was reading something, and it was, all right, because if you if you apply this standard, right, that, all right, he is, uh, he has all of this clinical train, training and, and had a practice and all of that, but really what are we talking about? We're talking about influence. So not only does he hold those views, but he has a a very considerable and has for many years uh, number of followers on social media and otherwise. So why draw the line if you're going to talk, if you're going to go and punish people and take away their livelihood, essentially, and require them to do what the state wants them to do based on their political views, then why couldn't that apply to all, not just doctors, not just clinical psychologists? Because if you have any level of following, you don't have to have a social media following uh, that's the size of Taylor Swift or anyone else. If you have any influence, you put this message out here. Listen, it's exactly where social media was going before Elon Musk bought Twitter and the Twitter files started coming out and we could see exactly what the liberals were up to. Okay, he said he's going to take the training and broadcast it. Mm -hmm. Oh, interesting. (laughs) I wonder how that will go over. (laughs) I'm guessing like a lead balloon. Because I've seen him say in the past, he won't won't do it. And now he's saying, I am going to do it, but I'm going to broadcast it. Okay, (laughs) well, that'll be fun. I'll be watching... No doubt, but it's not going to go well for him, unfortunately. And that is tragic. 
On your smart speaker, say, play Red Eye Radio. And, if you're really nice, she might. Red Eye Radio. And he's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Uh, so, yeah, so Jordan Peterson initially said, I went back and looked at it, he initially said he would never take the training. Mm. said, not going to do it. Now he says he is going to take the training, but he's going to broadcast it. Now, whether that means he's going to bring a phone in and actually record it or uh, relate exactly what the training is about, uh, I don't know. He says uh, in an interview with CBC News, Peterson said, Jordan Peterson said he will take the training and broadcast it. I'll comply with their regulations, but I'm not going to do it in secret. And the reason I'm not going to do it in secret is I don't believe I've done anything wrong. Uh, in uh, in a post on X, formerly known as Twitter, before the decision was released, Peterson said he wished the college luck in its continued prosecution. They're going to need it. Peterson told CBC News in January that he had no intention of giving up his fight with the regulatory body accusing the college of attempting to stymie his speech and discipline him for his political opinions. He also, Wednesday... Uh, said he stands by what he has said and has zero regrets for his social media post. Peterson says he believes the posts are a question of free speech, which he called sacred, adding he says what he believes to be true. The fundamental issue is one of free discourse. I like to think, and we think by talking in large part, so I'm not willing to suspend my tongue as a consequence of government decree. He added he no longer treats patients anymore in his career. Instead, mm. is focused on social and political commentary. Uh, and uh, uh, also, he doesn't regularly lecture at the University of Toronto. However, Peterson says he just wants to retain his license. Well, that's I mean, he has every right to do yeah. that and 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 should do that. But in Canada, uh, that kind of dissent is is considered to be radical right and you can't well because that would be my question for them well wait a minute if you talk about all the different uh treatments for anything over the years the the medical or clinical approach uh in in the global medical community but especially in 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 western cultures you talk about what a number of things that were learned along the way and how were they learned by dissent, by people saying, I don't think that's right to do. I think we should be doing this. But you can't have that because in Canada, that's hate speech. He said, uh, I'm going to keep my license. I want to keep my license. I deserve it. I've earned it. I haven't done anything to justify suspending it. And I don't want to give the hyenas their bones He said earlier this year, the college in a statement released after the decision was issued said it's it is committed to carrying out its mandate of protecting the public interest by regulating the practice of psychology. Wait a minute. Wasn't this a Robin Williams movie? Yeah, right. (laughs) Remember, they didn't like the things he was saying, and Mm -hmm. so they they wanted to kick him out of, of being a doctor. Right. Uh, the, so uh, the one thing he said, apparently sports illustrated had a plus size model on and he said, Mm. and, and this was the entire push 
that there is nothing wrong with being huge, with mm. being really obese. Right. And if you attack the health problems, if you attacked and said, well, I don't believe that's beautiful. Well, you must say that it's beautiful, even though that's called hate speech. Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. That's called hate speech. If you don't say, no, she's beautiful. He goes, beautiful. No. And it's. <laughs> and then the other one was Elliot Page. And he said uh, the criminal uh, who was a, a transgender woman mm-hmm. and said the criminal doctor just, you know, cut off her uh, cut off her breasts. Right. Right. And those are the things that they wish for him to lose his license for. But now he needs to undergo re-education training. Yeah. Which Elliot means- Page is the actor that was in a lot of movies, by the way, and and went through that, went through the transition thing. Right. And it was, it, there was a lot of talk about it on social media. But we had talked about, I mean, in fact, the whole Lizzo thing, you know, when she would be in, you know, extremely scantily clad clothes and she, you know, is quite obese. Yeah. And and then the, the what came down a couple of weeks ago that she was fat shaming her dancers. Her dancers. I mean, right. it's just. I mean, I'm sorry. There's humor. There's humor in that. Well, I mean, seriously. <laughs> and and again, you look. Uh, I don't. You know, I people can do what they wish with their life. Uh, mm-hmm. I am never going to say. I'm never going to let someone dictate to me what beauty is. Right. Because it's different for everyone. Right. Yeah. You know, and so. To mandate what beauty is, or you must be, or if you say, well, no, I don't think that's beautiful. I'm sorry, you're going to lose your license because of that. Mm-hmm. Well, no, that's a that's an opinion based on the politics of the left pushing, you know, the whole anti, you know, fat shaming. And I don't shame anybody. You know, you are what you are, and and but I'm not going to sit there and say it's healthy to be fat. You know, to sit there, and that's the sec- that was what was also coming out uh, was well. You know, I mean, this whole thing is exaggerated about obesity. No, it's not. No, it isn't. Not at all. And and so, I mean, that and that's where it's going. That everybody is the same, and everyone there's no difference. And if you say, well, no, it's not healthy to be fat. Well, then that's hate speech. Yeah. No, right. it's not. No. And and so I mean that's all that's all the stuff and you know what uh, Peterson has said just in uh, in general well no uh, you're not if you say you're a biological if you say that uh, you're a biological woman and you're actually a biological man no you're not uh, that in itself as we know now is hate speech right and we know that Canada does not have and this is why. You have to pay attention in the United States to all of this because people, a lot of people don't even realize that the free speech rights we have here do not exist in Canada that is viewed as a progressive nation where individuality and autonomy, which really isn't, I mean, they're just as bad as the United States when it comes to their identity politics of judging people by groups, but they claim that no, everything must be accepted well, then if everything must be accepted, then you've got to allow for free speech. Right. Because how do I know what I should accept as being accepted now if somebody can't tell me that it should well, be accepted or not accepted? Well, because there is the there is the right there. You just demonstrated the ever-changing rule book for the left. On one page, cultural appropriation. But if a man 
has surgery and then dresses and behaves as a woman, that's not appropriation. I don't know. I don't write the rules. Well, we have brought that up too, gender appropriation. Those are some of the things we've talked about for a long time here on this show, since the left is the one that is furious about any type of appropriation. But right. gender appropriation right. is fine to the point of allowing biological men to compete against biological women. I heard that the weightlifting organization, though, has backtracked. Did you see that mm. one, the weightlifter, the other day that yeah, she was I, complaining? I saw something on that. I yeah. saw some that they had backtracked, and I'm thinking... Well, there was no other conclusion. What did right. you think was going to happen? Right. Oh, we're going to allow men to lift weights against women. Wow. In all the three lifts, the male lifted 440 pounds more. That's like winning 1,000 to nothing in a basketball game. Maybe something is wrong here. Well, what the hell did you think was going to happen? <laughs> of course. Of course. And the problem is, is that with any of these organizations, they require what? participation and if you're going to be organized it's going to require multiple people to be involved and to grow your organization more people along the way and when you start promoting this nonsense again i don't care how any one person wants to live their life that's their choice to do as long as they're an adult yep yep and but I can still I, say they're full of it. If someone if says, "Don't tell, you, don't, don't tell me hmm. what language I have to use, and don't tell me the science is changing," because the science isn't. No, the facts aren't changing, and and that's the the fear now here in the United States that in order to get certain medical license, right. you're going exactly. to have to subscribe yes. to the leftist agenda, and right. if you don't, then you can't be in a profession that treats people because you must have the government pre-approved propaganda. You must be promoting that. Otherwise, you may not get your license. Well, we've already talked about it because we predicted it would happen, and it did because the left is already talking about its abuse for you as a parent. If your child wants to make the transition and wants that treatment and you don't agree. Right. We will we know deem that gone, right. as child abuse. Right. Right. Not the mutilation of the child, the fact that you don't let the child make the decision and others agree with the child, other adults, we'll make sure we take custody of that child. We'll decide, not you. The parents don't have a place in kids' classrooms and they don't have a place in kids' lives if the left has their way with it. And that is a Fact. So Peterson now working for the Daily Wire, probably it's like, what an opportunity this is. Oh, Let, yeah. Let's let's uh, I'll, sure I'll broadcast. It. Sure, I'll go to the training. I'll, I'll let's let's I'll broad let let's broadcast what the training is exactly. Well, the thing is, he has to go. This is the one thing. Jordan Peterson has to go through the training until until whoever's giving the training the. The, uh, I don't know, the, uh, I'm trying to think of, um, mm, what did they call, I'm, I'm thinking of the movie A Wrinkle in Time, mm. where everybody conformed mm. uh, in uh, on the planet Kamazots, mm. and uh, what would what would they call the person who was instructing you, you know, to, uh, you know, to, that, that you must, that you must get in line, but you had, 
it's not that you just take the course. Yeah. And yeah. you answer it. The people who are instructing you, the trainers, must be fully convinced that you have now evolved to what they to what they think. And the training then could go on forever. Yeah. Right. Because what he's basically saying is, do whatever you want. I'll take the training. I'm not going to agree with you. Well, then they're not. Then he has to continue the training, and he's got to pay for the training mm-hmm. out of his own pocket, or he loses his license. Right. And probably the Daily Caller's like, well, we'll kick some of the money. Not Daily Caller, Daily Wire, probably kicking and saying, well, look, uh, let's do this as a let's do this as a work thing. We can have we can have a you can have a continuing blog on this. Right. Yeah. Oh man, that's content all day that I'll watch. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> That'll get me to subscribe. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Jordan Peterson going toe-to-toe. Oh, my with gosh. The, with, with, with a trainer. Yeah. <laughs> trying to convince him. What's the training about? Just, so do I have to agree that a biological man's a biological woman? Right. Yeah. Well, you're wrong. Yeah. Oh, man. He maybe may, maybe he, Shapiro can give us a family well, discount. As, as, <laughs> well, as long as he's doing the training, he has to keep his license, even if the training takes forever. Yeah, I, I well, would think. I, I don't want to leave the training. I'm going to continue arguing with you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, keep it going, right? Oh, man. Wow. Oh. I would love Probably to joining the Daily Wire and saying, okay, uh, I'm I'm now part of the political arena now, as mm. he is. Yeah, uh, yeah. All right, I'd still like to keep my license. I've earned it, but I can use this for material for the rest of my life. Oh, my gosh, yes. <laughs> Ongoing training. 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. I'm just wondering what the training actually would be. For example, you know, one of the things is Jordan Peterson, when Sports Illustrated had the plus-size model, mm-hmm. you know, it's been basically, you know, that in the bathing suit issue, he said, beautiful, no. And that's right. one of the things where they want to pull his license for that. Right. Well, will the training be that – what's the training going to be? Look, is the training in Canada going to be, look, all right, maybe she isn't beautiful, but you can't say it. All right, so what you're saying is that I can have the opinion to myself that she isn't beautiful. But, but I can't I, say it to anyone I, else. But I can't say it publicly because I cannot have – does that mean, for example, then uh, – because you could sit there and look and – because okay, society shouldn't say that, that uh, people that are obese aren't beautiful. Mm-hmm. All right? Well, what about bodybuilders? Mm-hmm. Does anybody really find bodybuilders attractive? I don't. Yeah, listen to me. That's your problem, Gary McNamara. <laughs> well, especially when they turn 60. and Big is beautiful. And the steroids wear you off. need to come around. <laughs> come around. Big is beautiful.
is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. You know, this whole uh, Jordan Peterson story that we were talking about, we discussed more of it here during the top of the hour, Mm. that there's actually some great medical points to make out of it. And this is where an Ontario, Canada court ruled against uh, psychologist and now media personality Jordan Peterson yesterday uh, uh, upholding a regulatory body's order that he take social media media training, that he has to get retraining. He he has to be retrained. He has to go to re-education camp in order to keep his clinical psychologist license. Yeah. Uh, in the wake of complaints about some of his online posts and, and, and statements. And two that were brought up. One was about a trans woman who got her breast cuts, cut off and yeah. and, uh, and uh, uh, trans man. Did I say trans woman? Yeah, trans Tra- man. Trans Elliot man. Page, the actor. Elliot Page, the actor. And he said, uh, you know, uh, a criminal, you know, a criminal uh, surgeon cut off her breasts. Hmm. And then the other one was when there was a plus-size model in Sports Illustrated and this was all a part of the push that we saw over the last couple of years that, you know, basically obesity is beautiful and there's nothing wrong. It's just another lifestyle choice that there aren't even any health problems associated with it. And you must acknowledge that obese people are beautiful. Right. You know, physically, I don't know. They Nobody defined what, what beauty meant. And Jordan Peterson on Twitter went, beautiful? No. Right. And so they want to pull his license for that. Now, he has stated, I'm not practicing anymore. He realizes now he's in the arena of ideas yeah. and he's in the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the media and that's where he's going to stay. But he said, I earned that license. Yeah. I earned that right. license. I want to keep it. And so initially he said he would never take the training. Right. He yeah. has changed his mind and <laughs> said now he'll take the training and broadcast it. Which we're looking forward to. Oh, you know, and I don't know how he'll broadcast it because they may not allow him to do it. Right, uh, right. You know, to actually do it. But he may say, well, here's what they told me today. He may, you know, that's, I'm not sure what he means yeah, by that. Right. But it's really important because you start asking yourself, well, what's the re-education going to be? Is a re-education going to be? Here's the choices. The re-education training is going to be, you can have your own opinion and you can believe that individuals, because of their certain physicality or their personality or whatever, that you don't believe is beautiful because it's in the eye of a beholder. But as a clinical psychologist, you must say that everybody is beautiful. Right. Well, that's bogus to begin with. Yeah. That everybody is. is equally beautiful. Right. That That's a, a, a bogus uh, statement to make. But the other one would be you must that that all people are just as beautiful right. as other people and you must believe that and promote that otherwise you'd lose your license well that's absurd because yeah, we we all know 
people have, you know, different different choices. And you made a great point saying, what if somebody comes, if, if he was treating somebody who was obese? Yeah, in the clinical setting. Yeah, in the clinical setting who was obese and said, you know, I just, because of the things that happened in my life, I can't stop, you know, I, I just, I can't stop uh, eating. I've had this and, you know, this, uh, this tragedy happened to me. I've been, you know, uh, and, and since I, you know, started gaining weight, you know, I used to be attractive. Women used to find me attractive. They don't anymore. What do you suggest I do? Well, it might be, okay, we need to, you know, number one, it's not healthy to be overweight. And number two, we want to work on, on you know, you becoming the person that you wish to be. Or does he have to say, no, 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 you're beautiful. Well, because if you're issuing dissent on a thought, and part of that for Jordan Peterson is his clinical training and experience and education. And he talks about a number of things. But if we're going to, that we'll, we'll choose that topic in a clinical setting. If what you're right. saying is that he can't, is there going to be a new standard then? A new clinical standard for not just Jordan Peterson, but all of them to say, well, I know, Mr. or Mrs. Patient, that you feel like, Something is going on with you mentally, and that is affecting your physical well-being. But you need to just stop and accept who you are physically. Are you going to force them to change treatment? Is there going to be a guidance issued on that treatment? Because if we're going to get into that, then that's where you quickly, on the other issue, get to know if that even child even feels they are that person, they are this, they are that gender, and want to have surgery as a result of it, then where does it stop? Is it going to be required, keep in mind, socialized medicine in Canada? So are you going to not only say that that which would be elective surgery is now no longer elective surgery, it is surgery that can be on a on a healthcare system that has its share of problems, that is going to be allowed, in fact, recommended, that is going to be the guidance on treatment? Well, if there is no wrong, if everything is beautiful and everything is what at one point you think is correct, and that's where we get into the transgender thing because they don't always hold that, mm-hmm. as we see those that you know, detransition, whatever. But if everything the person thinks at that moment is never wrong, even if they come in believing it's wrong and wish to change, then why do you need clinical psychologists? Why, why, why should they exist at all? And and then you ask the question about other behaviors because mental health can affect other behaviors as well, not just overeating. What about drinking? What about drugs? And what about the person that comes in and they, they're they coming to you and they don't recognize what's going on with them and then you tell them and you say, listen, here's what we know about how the brain works and how it affects you physically, but, it, but also how it affects your behavior. So it can uh, manifest in an eating disorder. It can manifest in alcoholism. 
They can manifest in drug abuse. A number of behaviors that are the manifestations of something that psychologically is going on with a person. This is not anything that you even need uh, that kind of clinical training, thank goodness, these days for because you can recognize it and others around you can recognize it. And even the layman can recognize that it is not healthy. And so if someone says, if the patient then says to the doctor, well, I'm okay with this behavior. It makes me happy. I accept that behavior. I don't uh, drink and drive. I always take a cab or somebody else drives me. I always, and so it's not hurting anyone else. It's, I'm doing this and I don't see the harm in doing it. Would there be any dissent allowed? What would be the treatment recommendation and guidance for that patient? Because there are things that we do know. There are things that are known about clinical psychology, about mental health, and how the manifestations are often, right. most often, some type of behavior. It's, it, it is the indication. It is the, the, the warning sign or the red flag that others get to see because those manif- whether, whether it, mm-hmm. it manifests in, into depression and that person becomes withdrawn and they don't, they don't speak to anyone anymore. Well, that's going to be noticed by their loved ones and people around them. All of these things... If the patient says to you, no, I'm okay with it, and you need to be accepting of my behavior as I deal with it, then what is the guideline for treatment? Because if you can't say, this is not healthy, then what's the point? It's funny because I was going to the same place. What's the point of having any medical community whatsoever when it comes to clinical psychology? And I know what... I think we all know what Jordan Peterson was doing. Jordan Peterson was responding to the left that's, you know, pushing the fact that obesity is beautiful. Yeah. And he was responding to the mandate that has come in. Like he knows the mandate that a biological man is a biological woman, that how that's being pushed as if you don't believe that, then you hate. Well, no, I'm just doing science. You're not. Right. You know, and then it gets into the whole point of, as we know, gender dysphoria. Right. Well, gender dysphoria itself means there's something different about you. Right. But you can't admit that because if you do, then that's hate. Well, then the next thing is there's no difference between being obese and not being obese, that both need to be accepted as beautiful. And you must admit that an obese person is beautiful. Now, we know that's ridiculous because... All of us think in different ways, uh, you know, and, and believe me, I understand because I'm still waiting for a woman sometime to tell me that I'm beautiful and maybe <laughs> I'm, someday I just want Jordan Peterson yeah, to tell me I'm beautiful. Yeah, so, someday they'll have him. I just want Jordan Peterson to say just I'm say beautiful once, in a once. platonic way. Yeah, yeah, you know I mean? yes. Even if it's Jordan Peterson. Not that there's anything wrong with it. <clears throat> I think I need a clinical psychologist for yeah. my. Uh, You're going to need training. For, for my victimhood. <laughs> I'm a victim. I'm a victim. I'm a victim. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I need some training. You're going to need some training. 
<laughs> no, Gary, that's a proper way. That's a proper way to think that nobody loves you and never will. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> no, I mean, but but that's the that's the point. Yeah. As it was said, well, well, then what's the need if there are there no standards in clinical psychology? Well, right. of course there are. Of course there are. Of and, course, and, is there and, there's no a right, reason, no wrong. There's yeah. a reason for the training. There's a reason for the the, the practices to exist. You know, one of the the very unfortunate situations um, that you learn about, I learned about as a foster parent or or foster to adopt parent in our case, uh, was that foster kids quite often uh, are very skinny. Um, There is a lot going on, a lot of trauma going on and mental health issues going on with them as, as a result of. Uh, the abuse that they endured in their previous home, in their original home. When those things begin to become remedied along the way, one of the things you might notice is that the child, when they feel comfortable and feel like they have truly found what we call a forever home, they gain weight. They start to settle in. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's a, it is a healthy thing for them mentally. Now, obviously, it has to be balanced with exercise, proper nutrition, and everything else. But it's an indication, it can be very often, that they have settled in, that mentally they are. So there, my point is, there isn't what they want to apply is what they're accusing him of, a one-size fits all approach on clinical psych- psychology. But there are things, there are dynamics that we do know and manifestations that we can recognize that say, all right, that is not an indication of health. And long term, it certainly wouldn't be. And there are manifestations and issues that we've had in the transgender community. Post-surgery. It is well documented. And if we fail to address it, then we fail everybody. We fail a society. I've always been ticked off at Jordan Peterson because he's been one of those clinical psychologists, among other people, that say if you don't clean your room, then you really can't solve any of the other problems in the world. And you should be making your bed every single day because if Mm -hmm. you can't make your bed, Mm -hmm. how can you help anybody in this entire world? Well, I sleep twice a day, so I never make my bed, and so I feel guilty every day. I, that's, and that's, that's all why on Jordan I just quit Peterson. Listening to him at all, yeah, yeah, he's just full reason. of it. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that's he talks about those life disciplines and and the one thing you can accomplish and how you start your day. And I I I heard that in fact from a military leader one time. Yeah, the you guy. Saying, that, yeah. yeah, the guy that gave the commencement speech. Yeah, and make your bed. So you know, get up, make your bed, clean your room. You start your day with that order, that that you know that discipline every day. But you're also accomplishing things. You're, it doesn't sound like much, but you are. Yeah, that whole thing that messy people are creative people apparently have been thrown out the window the last couple of years. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, eight six six ninety red eye. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at J.J. Keller, and I'm here to share a tip on roadside inspections. Roadside inspections all begin with the driver interview, during which the officer will gather basic information from the driver and prepare the driver for the inspection. 
The officer will also be evaluating the driver, determining if the driver can speak English, is under the influence of anything, has an illness, or is fatigued. The officer will ask the driver for required documents, including vehicle and driver credentials, the driver's log, and shipment paperwork. The officer may also conduct a vehicle inspection. Before beginning the inspection, the officer will take steps to make sure the inspection can be done safely. These include chalking the wheels, wearing personal protective equipment, and explaining what will be required of the driver. The driver needs to pay close attention to these instructions so that the vehicle inspection can be conducted in a manner that is safe for the inspection official. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller & Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Cronin. I'm Gary McNamara. Coming up here, we'll have some uh, audio from the debate last night. Did you see the lead editorial in the Wall Street Journal? I don't know if it was the lead that I saw. What, did, what is it? Well, I don't know. It might sound familiar from yesterday's show. Yeah. Retailers shrink from plain talk about theft. The industry euphemism yeah. for theft disguises the rising cost of crime. The shares of Dick's Sporting Goods, Foot Locker, and other retailers are selling off this week as companies report lower earnings amid softer consumer spending. But retail executives are also pointing to another trend shrinking profits theft second quarter earnings were dented by high quote higher inventory shrink mm-hmm. footlocker executives likewise noted on wednesday that inventory shrink <laughs> has been increasing target ceo brian cornell last week said that shrink remained yeah. well above the sustainable level where we expect to operate uh, over time, Home Depot execs last week also flagged pressure from shrink. Those are quotes <laughs> on earning, as did Walmart. Shrink has, in- yeah. <laughs> has increased a bit this year. Shrink isn't PC jargon used only by these companies. It's an industry term that wraps in other losses, such as value lost or damage in transit, but plain language about theft rather than euphemism would help the public better understand how criminal theft, how bad criminal theft is, and maybe build political sport for policies that would do something about it. Yeah, and you and I talked yesterday when we saw that the whole sh- inventory shrink uh, from uh, Dick Sporting Goods. We just both thought of George Carlin. Yeah. Just talking about PC words. You change the definition. You, yep. ch- you change. You start using other words. Other words, other phrases. Why? Because you're trying to be kind? What is the point? Yeah. You ta- And you take away the impact of and the seriousness of the situation by changing the words. Yeah. And you, well, why would you want to do that? Why do you want to do that? Listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios, and he's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Welcome, 
Download our Red Eye Radio app today. Listen when and where you want if you can't listen live overnight. All right, the delusional audio cut of the day. Okay. All right, this is uh, Democratic uh, Mayor Satya Rhodes-Conway of Madison, Wisconsin, in Milwaukee. She's a Democratic National Committee surrogate, was in Milwaukee ahead of the GOP debate yesterday. Mm. Here's what she had to say. All right. So I would suggest that anybody thinks that this country is in decline, come to cities. Because Democratic mayors all across the nation are creating great places where people want to be. I was waiting for her to finish the sentence. Want to be moving away from them? We have lots of vacancies. Is that why she's inviting people? Come on in. There's plenty of room. You're delusional. Wow. I know. Like, you're going to be kidding me, really? That could be. That's, by the way, that certainly is a contender for delusional thought of the year. Maybe even the decade. If if I thought you and I were going to see some kind of breakthrough in aging, we could say millennial, but, uh, well, uh, or millennia, but we're not going to be. We're not going to. Okay, this may this may be another delusional thought of the day. This is DNC (laughs) chair Uh, Jamie Harrison yesterday as they talk about the fact that Americans overwhelmingly disapprove of Biden's handling of the economy. All right. All right. Here we go. Sixty three percent of Americans disapprove of the way that the president's handling the economy. Um, His campaign thus far has focused on the economy. It does not appear to work. Why? No, you, you just got to keep going out there, making sure that people connect uh, the, the good things that are going on with the president. But- uh, like this, what Democrats believe that people are so stupid. We've talked about this before that <laughs> that they can't even figure out when they're doing bad or they're doing good financially yeah that's how stupid democrats feel americans are yeah oh i got all this money in the bank and uh, my economy is terrible i keep tapping into my bank account i had ten thousand now i'm down to four thousand this inflation is killing me i need to be more positive Apparently, I don't really know what's going on. Well, you need to see yourself as a hero because you're contributing to the economy. See, the thing with inflation means people are spending more money. Actually floated that idea a few times along the way. That's how delusional they are. But if they get away with it, except for the right, who's calling them on it? Well, that was uh, that was on CNN. Yeah. That was on CNN, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, and and you know, even on Meet the Press, they've talked about it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, they talked about it this past weekend. Mm-hmm. It's like you can you can keep telling. Well, here's the thing: this is what's frustrating uh, Democrats and and those in the media is they know the inflation's killing them. But what I love is, but it's only inflation. That's like halfway down as you're falling off the cliff and you're like but it's only gravity the only reason i'm falling is gravity 
Everything else is going great. I'm not dead yet. I, I'm not dead yet. I'm not dead yet. It's it, it just, it's just. I got so much going for me right now. Right. And we're making such a big deal over gravity, but it's only gravity. There's a lot of other forces out there that exist that don't apply right now. <laughs> only gravity matters. And when you have inflation and we had said this, and this is the, the danger now going on because of the debt that we've acquired already. Yeah. And because of the interest rate on the debt that's going to keep going up and up and up and up and up. Mm-hmm. And and because there's risk now, uh, you know, uh, investors believe there's risk. And will we have the Fed buying their own debt again? That's still, you know, we don't know what's going to happen over the years. Will the debt, the debt, will the uh, debt be bought, you know, by the Fed printing money again? Mm. Is that going to happen, which, again, uh, increases inflation? But we've always stated that the benchmark's always been, because inflation like this doesn't happen too often, recessions happen more, where we view that, well, nothing can be as bad as a recession. Well, sure it can. A recession, if you have 10% of the people laid off, that means 90% of the people are working. And if you're in a recession... You're probably not seeing inflation. Yeah. In most, in fact, you're not because there's less of a demand for products. So you may be paying less. So 90% of the people may be happy. 10% aren't. Inflation, it's a duh. It hits everyone. Everyone feels inflation because the costs go up. Yep. Well, billionaires don't. Sure they do. Everyone their, is impacted. Yeah, their their yacht that was fifty million now might be ninety million, right? And that forty million does matter to them. Yes, it's something that everyone notices, but of course, the poor and the middle class notice it more, and so they just for some reason will not acknowledge because they can't acknowledge inflation because if they acknowledge inflation. Then they have to address the irresponsible spending that's caused the inflation. Right. No, you have to you have to hold the line here. That's exactly what they're trying to do. Well, but inflation is dropping dramatically. No, the rate of inflation. And what you don't get, and it's mind-boggling, is the fact that it's a compounding effect. This is on top of every time we do a report. Every time we remind people it's on top of what last year's inflation was, it doesn't mean that prices are dropping. They're still going up. They're just going up at a slower rate than they were during record inflation. But everything's great. All right, they're going to try it in Seattle, apparently. Yeah. 911 calls in Seattle could soon be answered by unarmed crisis responders instead of police officers through a new alternate response team spearheaded by a Democrat council member. Mm-hmm. That's a job I don't want. Well, I'm wondering you're going to get how called. they're going to populate mm-hmm. in fact that department. Mm-hmm. Councilwoman Lisa Hebold announced on Friday 
that they are beginning to hire the first six new positions for a new pilot program to provide unarmed crisis responders to respond to certain emergency calls. Well, you know, usually I'm complaining about how delayed uh, we are and how frustrated I am that we're not meeting our benchmarks for developing this program. But today, I'm really, really happy to report that the city is hiring for the six positions for the first pilot uh, alternate response team. It's going to be a way for 911 operators to dispatch calls to uh, somebody other than police, somebody other than fire, a crisis responder who is unarmed. She continued, the police department will be aware of the dispatch. They may attend, they may stage nearby, or they may just have situational awareness. Each call is going to be different, but it's really exciting that we're finally up and running with hiring. By the way, this comes directly from Defund the Police. Yeah, that's a, that's and, exactly what this is. And they right. realize that they can't sell it to the public, so yeah. what they're saying, this is an addition to the police. Right. The new dual dispatch program will send mental health professionals as the first responders to 911 calls involving people in behavioral health crises. Yeah, you, how do those, you... Those mental health professionals will have the police backup available to them, but nobody there to protect them in the event that that person harms themselves or someone else, including that person who's responding, who is unarmed. How do you how do you assess that with a call? You can't. You can't. A situation has risen to the level that somebody finds it necessary to call 911. There's a reason police are armed. Well, it's funny because they say that, but they also say the police department will be aware of the dispatch. Right, yeah. Yeah, they, they may there, they there will may, be a backup available. They may attend, They may so they may be there with it. But how do you tell by a phone call? You don't well, know. You don't know the situation you're walking into. Right. But SPD officers would only approach if needed. But then somebody's dead. That's the whole point. And there's a reason that they have a firearm. What if that person is lashing out against someone else? An unarmed individual is not going to be able to stop them. I mean, I know they don't care about the well-being of the police officers involved. We're way past that in situations like this. But what about somebody else? You you called 911 and something is going on. You're just going to send them someone there to talk to them. That can't be a follow-up after the police have handled the situation. No, we can't have that in a defund the police world. They're delusional. And this is going to hurt people. This has the great potential of costing lives. And they're celebrating it. I would say probably uh, the vast majority of people that call 911 is because they believe they or somebody else are in immediate harm's exactly. way. Exactly. That's why you call 911. Exactly. It's risen to that level, and your response is, we'll give them a good talking to. And And people are told over and over again that if it's not a 911 call, there are other numbers to call. Right. And there, was it 411? 
Yeah. Well, my question would yeah, be, I don't know. I don't know what it is in my neighborhood. My what, question would be, then, then why not just put the person on the phone? Why send anyone? We'll just give them a good talking to, because the person who made the phone call believes there is something dangerous going on, and someone with some authority needs to be there. Immediately. Otherwise, just open up a hotline. Here, we'll just put you through and have you talk to someone. You can't assess it during the call. You don't know the level of danger because you're going by what you're being told. And the proper assessment has to come from an individual or individuals who are not only trained to be there, And that includes psychologically, but also are armed to keep that person potentially from hurting someone else, including the police officer. Now, if there's a problem with too many people calling 911 when it's not a 911 emergency, well, that needs to be addressed in your community through communication. That's a separate issue. Yep. Right. Yep. If someone's calling saying, hey, the fast food place didn't put mustard on my sandwich when I asked them to. Yeah, that's a problem. Right. But that's separate from what we're talking about here. The majority of 911 calls aren't that that come through. They are someone on the other end who believes that the police need to be there. If not the fire department, we're not talking about putting out fires. Or are they going to go that route too? Would you send firefighters into a situation? Or would you send psychologists go and say, well, we don't know about the full ramifications of this fire, and maybe we could have a discussion about what we're going to do about it. Right, because no. so, yeah, a phone call could come in, and it could, the person on the other end could be saying, this is a this is a uh, an incredible fire that's threatening the life of my wife, my mm-hmm. Corvette, my dog, yeah. and everything else, and then you find out it was only a kitchen fire. It was only a kitchen fire then that person might go on to talk about it for years. Decades. Decades. And so they may need that counseling help. Yeah, Jack. 866-90-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Hurley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. So, um, overall, the the debate, I don't think people will be talking about it after today. I don't think there'll be a lot of talk on it. Maybe a little bit of the uh, of the uh, Sunday morning news shows. Yeah. We really do live in a bubble of today more than I've ever seen in my lifetime. Yeah, we do. Where things happen, yeah. and then the next day's news items take over and then it's 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 forgotten and then when you go back and think about it or you remind people of what happened the other day they go oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) this is red eye radio on Westwood One. 
Hey guys, welcome to the Candy Valentino Show. I'm Candy Valentino. I was a founder before I could legally order a drink. And for more than two and a half decades, I've built, scaled, acquired, and exited multiple businesses in diverse industries. Now my goal is to help you by sharing the knowledge that I've learned, the mistakes that I've made, and the wisdom that I've developed over my journey. Bi-weekly episodes every Monday and Thursday. The Candy Valentino Show, wherever you listen. Every story eventually comes to an end. This June, hear the final episode of Season 2 of the hit podcast series, In the Red Clay, Durham. In the Red Clay tells the unbelievable true story of Billy Sunday Burt, the most dangerous man in Georgia history. In the podcast that people are calling riveting, incredibly moving, captivating, and addicting. Binge Seasons 1 and 2 of In the Red Clay now, wherever you listen.